Thank you, thank you, Jeff. Lord, thank you, guys. My Lord's Supper pack here. There we go. Got it out. I'm going to set it right here. Look, again, we're just delighted uh, that you're here today. God bless you for coming. God bless you guys online who are watching us. I know many of you would love to be here present with us in the body, but we know that uh, for health purposes and personal choices, you've decided to stay home and worship, and we just want you to know we're thrilled that you've tuned us in. In fact, uh, many people, not just in Texas, but literally all over the world, uh, tune in either right now or they will watch us when it's played over and over during the week. And we don't take that lightly. We're very, very grateful to God that he's given us this platform, uh, this ability to reach literally all over the world uh, because church will never, ever be the same. I hope you realize that, that things have changed and it will always be different now in the world because of this one crazy pandemic that has happened and it's accelerated change. People there are going to be more and more worshiping online and whether we like that or not, doesn't really matter. That's what they're going to do. That's what they're going to choose. And I choose to minister to them. I choose to love them and reach them and encourage them. So we're glad that you're, that you're watching. Okay, today, uh, Revelation chapter 12 is our text, and we only have one verse, but ooh, what a powerful, riveting, momentous, moving passage of Scripture. We preach through the entire book of Revelation here. If you're wondering what that song meant a minute ago about the, the seal and the scroll and all those questions, uh, you can go to Revelation chapter 5, that will be your answer, or you can go back into the, um, to the archives and find my message on Revelation 5 as we explain that text. But this text here is pretty self-explanatory. There is a threefold answer to how you and I overcome uh, in this world. People say, wow, that would be wonderful to know. Is there really a way that we can overcome darkness? Is there a way we can overcome the enemy and the temptation and the difficulty and the evil that is so palpable, that is so prevalent in our world today? And the Bible leaves us with a tremendous answer. Now, these saints above in heaven, they are describing what will happen, what is called the Great Tribulation. There is coming seven years of unrelenting tribulation upon this earth. It has not happened, but it will happen. I had an elderly pastor take me to the airport on um, Monday afternoon of this, just this past week, a week ago tomorrow. He's been preaching for 50 years. And I tell you, this man had so much knowledge and so much wisdom, so I just listened. We had a 100% conversation. I may have spoke 5% of the time. I just listened to him. He said, you know, Brother Danny, when I first began my ministry, and I'd look at the book of Revelation and go, how in the world will all of those things take place? The mark of the beast, the great tribulation. And then he goes, oh my word, in just 50 years, I realize how quickly all of those things could take place just as we are watching things unfold in our world uh, today with all the calamity, with all the catastrophe, with all the evil, with all the anger. And boy, you can just see that the world is being prepared for a man who's going to come and he's going to reign over this world. He's going to be called the Antichrist. The Bible calls him the man of lawlessness. And you can see how we as, an, as a world are so ripe for such a charismatic leader who will appear on the world scene and he will deceive many, but he's not going to deceive the people of God because we know. We know what's ahead. We've read the book of Revelation. If you haven't read the book of Revelation, we're living it, so you might as well go ahead and read it, all right? I mean, it is happening, unfolding before our very eyes. So I'm not trying to scare anybody. 
Y'all know that's not the truth. That's the, that is the truth that I shared with you a whole year and a half. Some of you are like, yeah, brother, I didn't think you'd ever get out of Revelation. Hey, we've been a year and a half in Acts and we're only in chapter nine. How about that? So it's gonna take, it just takes a while. And I'd rather, much rather marinate and saturate than microwave the word of God. So here we are in Revelation chapter 12. I'm gonna read this one passage of scripture. And I just gotta say that the key to victory in the future during the great tribulation is the key to the victory today. And they overcame him. Let me just stop right there. They is the antecedent. The plural pronoun they refers to followers of Jesus Christ. You gotta understand that very clearly. If you know Christ, you are an overcomer. If you don't know the Lord, you don't have a personal relationship with him, then you are very, very vulnerable to the things of this world. And they, Nikeo, the Greek word uh, overcame is translated uh, overcomer or victory. Uh, Philip Knight years ago built an entire sports merchandise empire on that one Greek word. He found it. He found that that Greek word, Nike, Nikeo, means to overcome. And they, the church, overcame him. That would be the enemy, the enemy of our souls. There is a God who loves us. We're absolutely convinced of that, but we're also convinced that there is a force. There is a darkness. There is an evil that is so present, prevalent, and powerful. And if we didn't have Christ... If we didn't have the Holy Spirit of God living within us, we'd all capitulate. We would all just give in to this, this macro force of evil, and we see it. But we overcome him. And here are the three agencies, the divine power of God in us, whereby we overcome death, we overcome uh, eternal death, we overcome temptation, we overcome all sorts of evil by these three divine agencies. Number one, the blood of the lamb. Number two, the word of our testimony. Okay, let's look at it again. I'm just gonna go through the verse uh, in its entirety, then we'll go back and break it down. So Revelation 12, 11, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. See it? Number one. Number two, by, notice that agency by, whereby they overcome was the martyria. What does that sound like, church? Martyr, that's exactly right. So I didn't know we got so many English words transliterated right out, of the, right out of the Greek. Well, we did, a ton of them. Here's another one, martyr. They overcame the devil by their martyria, by their martyrdom, by their uh, testimony, okay? Their testimony, there it is, uh, mar martyria. And the third way they overcame is they, they were courageous. That's the way I like to translate it. I don't want that last phrase to confuse you, but it says, and, and they did not love their lives to the death. A, a good translation would be, these people were bold. They were courageous. They did not acquiesce and, and give in to the mark of the beast, or they didn't give in to the, the sec, you think the sexual revolution has taken over the world? Just wait. I mean, just wait till this time frame when the, I mean, I mean, the, this world is just so absolutely ripe for all this sort of evil, this cacophony of evil, this avalanche that will just overwhelm our world. Because the Bible says that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God will leave this place. And when the Spirit of God, He is the restrainer. He is the only one that is holding back this avalanche of wickedness and immorality unabated. 
And when the Holy Spirit is removed, I'm telling you this world will enter into a time of great tribulation. And if you find yourself here, and I hope you're not here, that you'll overcome by these three things, the blood of Jesus, all right? Your testimony of faithfulness, and that you would in that time, you would be courageous. So let's talk about these three. Number one, the blood of the lamb. I, I wore my red shirt today. I was just thinking about the blood of Jesus. Whenever I read about the blood, whenever we sing about the blood of Christ, I don't know if you'll notice this, but my hands just go up. I can't help it. It's like my arms go up and I worship God because of the incredible high price that was paid for my eternal soul. You say, but wait a minute, I'm new to Christianity. I'm new to this whole religious landscape. Doesn't that sound kind of gory? Isn't that kind of gross to talk about blood and redemption? Look, the Old Testament is very clear. All the sacrifices in the Old Testament, they all had to do with the appeasement, um, the covering of sin. You, you read all, I mean, I've been reading the Pentateuch now for many, many weeks. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and all the sacrifices that they made to appease God for, for their sin. And then when you come into the New Testament, John 1, 29, John the Baptist says, there he is. Look, the Lamb of God, slain for the sins of the world. In other words, all the Old Testament sacrificial system, it's done away with because of one person who shed his blood. Who is that person? It is Jesus. This is what our, our whole faith is built upon. It is called the sacrificial death, the propitiation. The propitiation means the holy wrath of God was appeased. Now, you may not take the holiness of God very seriously, but God takes his holiness very seriously. Yes, he's a God of love. Yes, he's a God of mercy and compassion, but he's also a God of justice. And he is a God of righteousness and a God of holiness. And you and I are sinners. Would anybody like to debate me on that point? Would anybody stand and say, well, I'm not a sinner. I've never thought a bad thought in all my life. I've never done a liar, liar, pants on fire. I'm telling you, all of us have sinned, egregiously sinned against God. And by the way, we know that, right? You watching online, hey, we know that, right? We know that the Bible is right when it says, for everybody has sinned except Christ, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So I was sharing the gospel this week with, uh, with a lady and my wife and I were sitting down with her and I got so excited and, and uh, I just took a sheet of paper and I turned the paper on, on the backside so it was completely blank and I said, look, God is over here and mankind is over here and there's this great gulf, there's this great chasm separating a holy God from sinful man. And if mankind were to try to reach God, you see the chasm, we would fall into it. I said, but watch this, watch this. And I drew a cross. I drew a cross from top to bottom and then from side to side. And then I said, watch what happens now when the stick man tries to go to God, woo-hoo, he makes it. She goes, where did you get that? <laughs> she said, that is so cool. I said, well, I, I stole it from Billy Graham. He doesn't mind, right? I got it from Billy Graham, steps to peace with God. And so this is, this is our religion. This is Christianity at its apex. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him, stay with me, will never perish, but have, anybody? Everlasting life. The blood of Jesus. Paul puts it this way, in him, in Christ, 
We have redemption. We have been purchased. Our eternal souls are made clean. We're made right with God through this divine agency of the blood of Christ, the forgiveness of sins. Watch this. According to the riches of His grace. I don't know if you've ever been rescued. I mean, physically, has anybody ever saved your life? It happened to me when I was five years of age. True story. I've always been vertically challenged, and you know, when we get to heaven, I hope Lord, the Lord makes me 6'6 six, six instead of 5'6. That would be so cool. I don't know if I get a vote on that, but you think I'm short now. You should have seen me when I was five years old. I mean, I'm, I mean, I was probably like this tall, you know, had this blonde hair, happy, happy, running around, holiday in, ran up on the diving board and just took off. Whee! Jumped into the deep end. You say, well, Brother Danny, have you lost your ever-loving mind? I had. I was five years of age. I still remember. I'm 56. I still remember what happened. I remember my dad, who was not a good swimmer, was in the deep end trying, and he kept saying, come on, come on, jump, jump. By the time I jumped, he was exhausted. He went to the bottom, and I went to the bottom. And I remember flailing and kicking and going, what is going on here? And I, this is not good. My aunt, who was on vacation with us, told me the story and, and made me go thank this guy afterward. This guy looked both ways, and he was like, okay, does anybody see what's going on in here? And this guy was like, is anybody going to help these poor people down there in the bottom of the pool? He goes, well, forget it. And he takes his shirt off, and he runs, and he jumps in, and he pushes my dad aside, because my dad wasn't going to leave me, right? And then he grabs me, and he pulls me up to the side, takes me over to the edge of the pool, and I'm coughing and spitting. The guy saved my life. I believe that. He literally saved my life. If you can ex exponentialize that a million times over, Jesus Christ did the same thing. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. I was sinking to rise no more, and Jesus Christ paid the price for my sin. And all I had to do was say, thank you, thank, and just receive him. I hope that helps you visualize. This is what we're talking about, substitution. We're talking about someone laying down their life so that you could live clean, you could live forgiven. Now, not perfect. None of us are going to be perfect here on this earth until we go to heaven, right? Any perfect Christians in the house? I'm just curious. Am I preaching to anybody that's so perfect you just, if there were any more of you, you just couldn't stand it? Any, anybody? No, none. They overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Don't you love, don't you love hearing about the blood of Jesus? Don't you love hearing about messages and stories of rescue and redemption and propitiation and, and salvation and, and justification? Praise God, He is a saving God. It's not His will that any perish, but that all come and believe on Christ. Number two, they overcome Him by their testimony. Again, the Greek word testimony is martyria. It's where we get the English word martyr. Their story they would tell their story, they will tell their story in the great tribulation, and it will cost them their life. Do y'all realize? <laughs> there is no group on this earth hated and persecuted like Christians. Because the only barrier that is standing between 
absolute anarchy and chaos and ruin in our nation and the nations of this world is followers of Christ. And that is the truth. That's why you are hated. That's why I am hated. People with other worldviews, people who would love to see this whole nation turned into absolute chaos, no police, no penitentiaries, just a free for all. Look, the people who hold that back are the people of God. And if you find yourself on the end of being hated and persecuted going, well, why? I just, I just love God. I just love my neighbor. Well, you're in the way. And when you share your story, watch this. If you go out in some places today and you begin to share your testimony of Jesus Christ, and that's why you're not a violent person anymore, that's, not why, that's why you don't just give in to the sexual revolution, that's why you absolutely believe in biblical marriage, that's why you believe that, that, that life is sacred from the womb to the tomb. Listen, that could cost you your life. Why do people hate that so much? It's because they hate the God of this Bible. And you and I have to stand. If we don't stand, who will stand? Nobody else will stand. So we stand on the bedrock foundation of Jesus Christ and his church. We love God, we love one another, and we don't capitulate, we don't back down. We just stand and say, wait a minute, Brother Danny, that might cost me my life. That's true. That is true. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and they were courageous unto death. Look, you won't be the first person to die for your faith. <laughs> you know, more Christians were killed in the 20th century than all other 19th centuries combined. There is a vitriol, there is a hatred targeted at the people of God, unlike any other religion in this world. What if you're called upon to give a testimony? Now, here we are in America. We, we, we have a hard time saying Jesus loves you, and these people are going to be crucified and killed. You know, in America, that's about, that's about the extent of it so far. If you were to invite somebody to Great Hills Baptist Church, or if you were to say, can I share my testimony with you? The, the worst thing could happen is what happened to me this week. And it was tough, I'll just be honest with you. I'm, it hurt me, I was wounded. And, but more than anything, I hurt, hurt for this lady. I, I got my physical exam done, and, you know, they sit you in the chair, and it's just, man, I, I'm just sitting, that's sore. Well, quit rubbing it. Quit doing that. Okay, let me just hold this out like this. And she, she stuck this needle. I think that needle was about that big. Anybody ever, ever had that done? And she begins to draw that blood, and I got so excited, y'all. Maybe this is not the best evangelism tool when I said, I just love the blood of Jesus. He died for us on the cross and this lady's eyes got about that big and I just began to share with her and she just shut me down. I don't wanna hear that. She did not take out a knife and stab me. She did not even shoot me with a revolver. All she did was reject me. God forbid that I be quiet just for the fear of being rejected. Y'all okay? So is it gonna change you? Well, no, Brother Danny, I'm still not going to witness. But keep going. Yeah, I'm enjoying your, your little talk there, your little witness. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Why not? How ashamed of God do you must be not to share? How, how hard is it to say, I go to Great Hills Baptist Church, please come and visit me. Okay, God bless you. Thank you. I mean, just do that. That's better than nothing, you know? You know, I said last week I want to share a couple stories, and, and I am. I want to tell you a couple stories. By the way, you people are just are amazing. 
I keep getting phone calls, text, personal Facebook messages. It's, it's amazing. You are sharing the gospel with people and I just could not be more proud as your pastor. Some of you are being rejected. Some of you are leading people to Christ. Dave, I'm gonna share your story if that's okay. Dave Brandt, 86 years young, right? 88? No, that's not, that's not true. It's true. We have a witness. 88 years of age, goes and gets his influenza shot. The pharmacist has to give you the shot. She's a Muslim. And Dave Brandt shares the gospel with her. He said, no, he doesn't. You cannot do that. Oh, my word, if you do that, that is so offensive. People don't want to hear that. Just shut up. Don't do that. Look, he shared the gospel with her, took her back through the Old Testament sacrificial system and said, Jesus has, has taken care of all that. You don't have to shed any animal's blood anymore. All you got to do is trust in Christ. She goes, that sounds too easy. That sounds too simple that all I have to do is believe in Christ and he saves me. And Dave said, I'm telling you, it's that simple. Would you like to do it? She said, yes, right there, right there. Praise and ask the Lord in his heart. I got them chill bumps on me going. Another person sends me a, a Facebook private message last night. She's a physical trainer. And God has given her favor with an atheist. And this atheist and her, I mean, he, she tells me, she goes, Brother Danny, he is the epitome of anti-God. But for some reason, he comes to my classes. For some reason, him and his wife are kind of drawn toward me. And so keep praying, pray, please pray for him and pray for me. And then last week, I mentioned to you my friend, Rick Pittman. Rick calls me a couple weeks ago. He's so excited that his friend, his next door neighbor, he had an opportunity to, uh, to talk to him. He had a tree fall on his daughter's car, and Rick, who's got all these tools and chainsaws and, and all these kind of things, he goes and helps his neighbor, and he tells his neighbor, look, can I just tell you my story? Now, guys, this is what Revelation 12, 11 is talking about. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and their story. And Rick, you have a pretty powerful story. And he shared his story with me, and it's, it's really riveting. Because you see a man on the edge of despair, and you really were, and then he gave his life to Christ, and now here's this guy on fire for God, witnessing to people, calling his pastor, saying, let me tell you about another one. Look, if you just, if you just ever want to make my day, you do that. You just call me or text me and say, let me tell you about the person I'm getting to share the gospel with. And so he tells his neighbor's story. His neighbor goes up to Arkansas. <laughs> it's a great story. And uh, he goes up and he sees a friend of his. He's taking his daughter to the University of Arkansas, enrolling her in school. Woo pig suey, come on. And, um, and he comes back and the neighbor goes to Greg and says, Greg, I mean, Rick, I need to talk to you. That's what Greg, the neighbor said to Rick, I need to talk to you. Because there is a guy up in Arkansas, a multimillionaire, a good friend of mine. He, um, whenever I talk to him, he never lets me get a word in edgewise. But this, this time, it was just really different. He was humble. He listened to me. And Rick, he told me the same story you told me. He met Jesus Christ. His life has been turned upside down. Would you tell me more about that? Isn't that cool? And I just love stories like that. Look, it's, it's the same plot. It's like Hallmark. It's not very creative. You know what you with me? If you've seen one Hallmark, you've seen them all. <laughs> the guy is never the guy, right? There's the look. 
There's the conflict. There's the resolution. It, it doesn't change. And Christianity does not change. The story will never change. It is everlastingly the same. There is a holy God that loves us. We are sinners who have rebelled against God. We could never reach God, so God came to us in the form of his son, Jesus, who died. And all you have to do is trust in him. Is that not good? That's the gospel. That is so simple that a child can understand. Well, maybe it's not so much that we don't understand it. It's just we don't want to do it. But if we do it, I mean, if you say, okay, Lord, here I am, I'm a sinner. Ooh, I know it, everybody around me knows it, and I just pray you'd forgive me, and Jesus, thank you for loving me, dying for me, I, I believe. I trust in you to be my Savior. <laughs> then there's a party in heaven, and it's a simple transaction of a holy God saving your soul. They overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and here's the courageous. I love this. In Revelation chapter 7, there will be a a group of people called the 144,000 Jewish evangelists. That is not the Jehovah Witnesses, I assure you. It is Jewish evangelists, and they have been redeemed, and they go out and they preach the gospel all over the world. Revelation chapter 11, there are two witnesses, and I can see CNN and ABC probably even ESPN, everybody's going to zone in on these two witnesses because God is going to put a hedge of protection around them, and they're going to testify to the world of the gospel. Scores of people are going to be converted to Christ through the great tribulation. Those people will be executed, and then God will raise them from the dead. Look, Revelation's pretty fascinating. You say, but that's a preterist. Hasn't all of those things happened? No. These things have not happened. These things will happen. And the longer we live, the closer we are to seeing these things happen. But all of them have the same testimony. They all overcome through the blood of Christ, through the word of testimony. But watch this, guys. They're courageous. Can we just stop right there for just a moment? Where are you on your courageous barometer? On a scale of one to 10, with one being a bona fide wimp, where are you? One's a wimp, 10's a warrior. Wouldn't it be great if God just moved you up just a little bit up the scale today so that you took on this kind of warrior-like mentality of standing for the Lord? John, who wrote this book, The Revelation, The Apocalypse, John was one of 12 men called by Jesus Christ to be his apostles. One of the 12 betrayed him violently with a kiss and ended up executing himself, hung himself. His name was Judas Iscariot. You know what happened to the other 11? Oh, my goodness. Every one of them died a violent death except John. John was in his 90s, and the, and, and the Holy Spirit gave him this book, this apocalypse book, and he received it, wrote it down, all 22 chapters we have it in the back of your Bibles there. But in case you think John got out easy, no. When we think of Patmos, and I've been to Patmos in the Aegean Sea, it's this beautiful island, but 2,000 years ago, it was a penitentiary. It's where they put the most violent of criminals, rapists, murderers, that's where they put them. And that's where John lived. And he was living in a cave. I've seen the very cave where John wrote the book of Revelation. What about the other 10? They all died violent deaths. You know why? Because they were courageous. They were courageous. I, I, I'll tell you, 
about James. Peter, James, and John. Remember James and John, the sons of anybody? The sons of thunder, the sons of Boandries, Zebedee's boys. James was captured. And he was captured by a man who was taking him to the tribunal for James to be executed by Herod. And the man who captured James saw the peace that the apostle James had in his life. He did not fear death. He knew he was going to heaven. The man who captured James said, please forgive me for taking you in. I want the same God in my life that you have. James led his captor to Christ and they both died. That's what happened to James. Andrew, remember Andrew? one of the stalwarts, always bringing people to Jesus. He's, my, he's one of my favorite apostles. What happened to Andrew? Andrew went to Ethiopia to be a missionary. Did y'all know that right now as I speak, there is a room full of Ethiopians at Great Hills Baptist Church? You say, that's not true. I've never seen them, so they don't exist. That's kind of the way people are with God. I've never seen him, so he doesn't exist. If you go right behind me and up into the choir room, there's a whole room full of Ethiopian believers singing songs of praise to Jesus in their native tongue. Well, who shared the gospel with them first? Andrew. Andrew was there and Aegeus was the governor of Ethiopia. He heard that Andrew was preaching a different religion than the Roman gods and goddesses and idols. So he brought Andrew before him and he said, is it true that you are converting people? You are turning people away from my God to your God? And Andrew says, yes, I am, I am guilty as charged. And Aegeus, true story, Clement of Alexandria tells us this. He said, but don't you know, I will have you crucified. You will be crucified just like the man that you say was God. And this is what Andrew's reply. Oh, mercy. I would not have preached the honor and the glory of the cross had I feared the cross. And then he said these words, and I hope I can read them. Y'all, this is Andrew. This is not some mythical figure. This is a man whose brother was crucified upside down, Peter. Andrew said these words, O cross, most welcome and long look for with a willing mind joyfully I come to thee being the scholar of him which did hang on thee because I have always been thy lover and I have coveted to embrace thee and he gave his life to Christ Gave his life for Christ, impaled on a cross. Well, who won? Did Aegeus, had, how many of y'all, raise your hand if you'd ever heard of the governor of Ethiopia. His name was Aegeus before today. Would you raise your hand? Some of you probably have. Okay, raise your, raise your hand if before today you had heard the name of Andrew or Peter or John. Just curious. Who won? There are a hundred Ethiopians worshiping the Lord at Great Hills Baptist Church. Here's the deal. If you're willing 
to be bought by the blood of Christ and to be given a testimony and to speak with courage, I'm telling you, amazing things will happen. It may cost you your life, but what a way to go. What a way to go. At this sacred time, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. It's, um, it's just really a highlight for us. Four times in the year. Today, you should have received um, juice. And above the juice, there's a little wafer. There's a real thin little piece of plastic. In a moment, I'll ask you to open up that little piece of plastic, and there your little white wafer will be, okay? So what I want to do is just go to the Lord in prayer, and as I pray, I know our uh, band and team's going to come up, going to lead us in some songs of praise and worship, contemplation. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes as we partake of this sacred, sacred time? First of all, what we're going to do is we're going to do all of this for the honor of Christ. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So if you are a follower of Christ, you don't have to be a member at Great Hills Baptist Church, but if you believe in Jesus and have received him as your Savior, this supper is for you. Now look, if you have not, you say, I'm not there, or I'm, I'm not really walking with the Lord like I should, and I know there are things in my life. Okay, you can abstain. There's no shame in that. Look, you're not accountable to me. You're accountable to God. So you and God just kind of have this talk, all right? And if you're willing, and it's God's will for you to partake of these elements, what we'll do is we'll open up in just a moment, and we'll eat the bread, we will drink the juice, we'll celebrate the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ. And Father, we come before you today, Lord, with humble hearts, I'm... Lord, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how you could love me, a sinner, condemned and unclean. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood shed for me on the cross. Thank you for your body, mangled, beaten beyond recognition, dying this martyr's death so that I could be reconciled to a holy God. Lord, I will spend all eternity thanking you for this and learning more about this. But what I do know and what I do understand, I just am so, so, so incredibly thankful. Lord, may you receive praise and worship from your people now as we partake of these elements. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So the first little thin, it's a very thin little piece of uh, paper. So if you would, just go ahead and remove that piece of paper and then you should be able to find this little white wafer here. Please don't grab that big tab and yank that big tab. It's not pretty, okay? You don't want to do that. You want to take the little tab first. You say, well, you should have told me earlier. I've done made a mess. I got juice all over me. It's okay, all right? This is a place of grace and forgiveness. So just take, chill out, okay? If you're an OCD, an obsessive, compulsive, perfectionist like me, get over it. Here we go. All right, here's the wafer. This little piece of bread, this represents, it's not the body of Jesus. We're not Roman Catholics and transubstantiationists. We're not even Lutherans, consubstantiationists. We're more in line with Ulrich Zwingli, who I believe was most in line with Jesus, who said, look, this is a symbol. This is a metaphor. This is just bread, but it points to far more than bread. Because what you're doing, when you're taking this piece of bread, you're saying, I believe that Jesus lived a perfect life. 
I believe he died on a cross and his body was broken for my sins. And because of my love for him, I gladly partake. Lord, I pray now before we even go further and partake and drink this juice that represents your blood, I pray, Jesus, cleanse me, O oh God. Cleanse me of my sins. Wash me, Lord, so that I am whiter than snow. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me of bad thoughts, bad attitudes, sins of omission, sins of commission. Thank you, Lord, for loving me so much that you shed your blood. Please cleanse me with the precious blood of Jesus. Amen. Now you can open up the big tab. There it is. Thank you, Lord. On the night that Jesus uh, was arrested and subsequently crucified, he told the disciples, he took the bread, he broke it. He said, take, eat, and do this in remembrance of me. And then he said, take and, and drink, for this is my blood shed for many for the remission of sins. So over the next 10 minutes, it's going to be different. We're going to sing two songs. One of them is Jeremy Camp's Overcomer. Oh, my goodness. I want you to just relax, okay? I want you to say, okay, I'm not in a hurry. If the Methodists get out early and go to lunch and get all the food, that's okay, right? That's okay. If we're a few minutes, just let us linger just a few minutes. And as we sing, and, and Jeff picked these songs out specifically for this time, I think this is going to be a pretty remarkable time. How often are we such in such a hurry? Run, run, run. Go the next thing. Go the next thing. And over the next about 10 minutes, all we're going to do is just sing and just think about Jesus and just think about his love for us. So let's do that. Jeff, you come. Lori, y'all lead us.